What is up, you guys? You are listening to the Pop Gospel Podcast. I am your host. You're Chad our host, the Chad the Dad. <laughs> I'm sorry, voice. there's we a need, lot going on in my key, brain. Right? Key cards, man. I think Joining it's those uh, headphones have cut off your freaking that, brain that's circulation. True. I'm taking these dang things off. Oh yeah. I, don't I am your host, Chad the Dad, and here with me in the studio, I have my co-hosts. Aaron Sexton. I want to be a pirate. Casey Winstead. Dude, that's funny you said that because I was thinking when he says I'm the host that Captain Phillips like I'm the captain. Now. Like <laughs> I wanted you to look say me that, in the eyes. And then I'm you the host. wanted to be a pirate. Mm. It's got to happen. Yes. And Josh Inman. Hey everybody. <laughs> you know what I think. Josh has got a blankie on. I got yeah. two blankets on. One's like a Sherpa blanket. <laughs> it looks like a retirement home over there. <laughs> it was cold when I got here. It's got balls on it. Huh? That has like balls at the end Pom-poms. of it. Pom-poms. can't be comfortable. Pom-poms. Well, these aren't uncomfortable. They're soft balls. <laughs> Pom-poms. It's like, it's like the actual like a softball they would play softball with. <laughs> the yellow, the, the neon yellow ones. <laughs> That would be painful. Do they have any other color of softball besides what? Really? White I softballs. They only came in that color. That neon the neon yellow. yellow? No, no man, they man. got all kinds. Different Just like places. The OG color. softball was white. The OG, you were there. Yeah. Sure, softball. I mean, you were born in the eighties. AD. AD. Exactly. It's born in the eighties. When did softball become a thing? 80. Oh, way back, 80. way back before 18, AD. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like S- I feel like it's fairly like new. Fast pitch. fast pitch. I don't know. I feel by like the that's time the, by the time church softball made it to the 80s, they moved from fist fights on the field to just yelling matches. Softball began in 1887. Whoa! Uh, closest without going over. Thank you. No freaking way. Right yeah. Back. 1887, when George Hancock, a reporter for the Chicago Board of Trade, invented a reporter? indoor baseball. Wait a minute. Well, that's not softball. By the spring of 1888, the game had spread outdoors. Couldn't be contained. Sounds, it was originally, like, sounds like COVID. It was originally <laughs> called either mushball or kitten ball. <laughs> kitten ball. But by the 1920s, it had acquired the name of softball. Was it always a girl sport? Became whoa, organized whoa, in whoa. the United States in 1933. He was just talking about how he played it. No, uh, okay, the sport guys. was originally played by men and did not become Aaron's popular with women louder. until the formation of the American Softball Association. It doesn't give. Yeah, you know, the ASA. Okay, but guys play it recreationally. So do girls. There's women professional softball players. Yeah, I've got a buddy. Uh, like men? Yeah, they yeah. Like travel around. They travel, travel teams. Travel ball. And get paid to do it? Sponsorships, the whole dang thing. Really? Yeah. You would be yes. like the Babe Ruth of travel no. softball. No, and right. you should see some of these I, guys. I they can are tell you right enormous. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you right now, Chad can't hit. And what, it's run rule at every inning. It's yeah. home run after home run. They have, after they home have, run. Some of them have limits on their leagues, and they're like, oh, you hit a home run, it's an out. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is every league I've been a part of, it was like every dude steps up there and freaking hits a dinger. So and you I was played like, with me? It was like, you know, 
all however many dudes in the lineup go it's up. It's like guys like me that come out of high school playing football for four years and yep. we're like, oh, we're going to play for the rec league in college. That's like, right. And so they're out there just cranking them. And then Chad gets out there, and, and like, it's my first time. Like, Back up. Yeah, it's my first time. None of them have ever seen me play. It's church league softball. The other team sees me get out there. I'm like twice the size of any human being out there. And I get up there, and I and out. I hit a grounder okay. between second and third, and I had to sprint it out to first base. <laughs> what are you saying? And, and yeah, hey. and everyone is looking around like, what just happened? Little did they know, I didn't hit it out of the infield that year. That year, every, every yeah, the entire season, every. At bat, I had to sprint to first. You were the best player. <laughs> I mean, I got on first every time, yeah. but uh, not a single hit of mine went out of the infield. So, in church league softball back in the day, churches would recruit these guys. Oh, yeah. And eventually they, had, they made a rule to where they had to, they had to prove – like that, bring a certificate of church membership. They had to bring a record of attendance yeah. to either like Sunday school or a worship service. And if you if oh they don't God. if they, they didn't check lots in of documents back then, then they can't play. That is intense. Church I mean, softball is intense. Serious stuff, man. I Leave mean, your coolers in the car. I think Jesus is up there just scorning that. You think so? Yeah. Did you say scoring like, it? Yeah, probably. He's he's a scorekeeper. <laughs> no, he <laughs> scorn scorns uh, it. I don't think so. I think he enjoys the friendly competition. Oh, I don't believe that's true. For the you Lord, don't? you don't think our <laughs> heavenly Father enjoys competition? I don't think our heavenly Father enjoys people forging memberships so that guys can play softball. Okay, no, that's but different. I, that's different. Saying than that he scorns like the whole thing. No, you're, I don't think he scorns the whole okay. thing. Okay, you're saying he scorns like the we lying. Just, Lying well, of the sure. to get a win. You know. We just bathe that in fellowship. And what do you it's fine. get? What do you bathe get when you win a church? A big trophy. That's it. Uh, yeah, but I rights. can go buy the biggest trophy in the land for forty dollars at a trophy shop. Okay, that's lame. If you go yeah, buy, buy your it. own trophy, I'm just saying, you have to if you win really a trophy. Want a trophy. That's like, but if you like win it. It's different. That's like when Michael Scott bought himself the world's best boss coffee mug. It's just not the same. It's not. You gotta go win. It. I just don't care about now, any, any Chad. I need you to decide. Headphones on or off, buddy. You well, I'm adjusting the volume because you guys are freaking screaming in the microphone Whoa. like a bunch of. This is a hot topic. Well, some hot takes it's a hot around. mic. <laughs> I can remember. Uh, well, yours has to be hot because you're so quiet. Oh, uh, my student. You want me to speak up? Well, I didn't Josh know. Hello there, audience. No, you can be further away from the mic. Church now I've got to adjust your volume back. A student pastor. His name was Marty Collier, and he played college baseball. And I played first base, and he played third base. And when he threw the softball at me, it moved side to side, mm-hmm. and it was one of the most terrifying things that I can remember in my f- almost forty-one years of. Life. And not just side to yeah, side, but very he's quick. Basically, slinging it a cannonball just, at your face. It floated through the air. It was coming so fast. It's not like he just threw it. It's like, oh, it just floated. You never knew where it was going to land. Like it's pushing really? air out of the way. Yeah. Huh. When I was at a church that some of you are familiar with, and by familiar with, I mean you work there, I was told that we couldn't play church league softball because that 
was just not going to happen. And the last thing you want is a bunch of people wearing your church shirt yeah, cussing. I understand. <laughs> so what I did was, just like any other competitive person, I found another church to play with, <laughs> and I did that. And my secret to my power to unlock my home run capabilities was, wait for it, sour Skittles. That, oh, I thought you were going to say a corked bat. No, regular bat. Sour, <laughs> sour Skittles, put it over the fence. It's the craziest thing. Me in, and Marshawn. In the church league I was in, there were guys that like shaved their bats. Yeah, now shaved bats are... I, I had... Josh, you look like a shaved bat guy. One church softball no. league experience. Uh, it was I say experience. It was one season. Uh, the first game, I did not bat. Yeah. You didn't bat? No, I just played in the outfield. Oh, okay. Then I went to a practice... And I was like, Chad, I'm just hitting ground balls. Yes. <laughs> and they were like, sweet, he can get on base. So the second game, I did what Chad did, only I hit it straight at the shortstop. And so when he picked it up, I was striding it out to first and went, in my head, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. So I slid into first. Oh, my God. Head you first. slid into first in softball. Head first. <laughs> oh, my God. And took the bag out of the ground. Oh, my God. I hit it with my hands and pulled it up out of the ground. <laughs> slid into first. So two so weeks later. league softball. Two weeks later, <laughs> I was in the outfield. Fly ball comes to me, and I wanted to show everybody that I really had what it took to play church league softball. I was like, oh, that sliding in the first thing was just a fluke, right? Oh, god! So I barehanded this ball and got so excited, I spiked it into the ground. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! So I was like, he's I out. were like, this guy's officially <laughs> off the He's team. out. He was not out. Apparently, that counts as a drop. <laughs> and so he just kept running the bases and got an infield home run. Paul Aaron's out there freaking was, cutting a rug. It's like, I can oh. promise you there were people on that team that hated you. Oh, yeah. Because then I didn't get to bat or play outfield anymore. <laughs> well, what would you do? Just sit on the bench? Yeah, I rode the bench in church league softball <laughs> as oh, an intern for the church that I worked the for. The worst thing you can do in any league softball is strike out. Mm, yeah. And if you do, just hang your head down, walk into the dugout, Get and your leave. bag or satchel or whatever you brought. <laughs> yes. Just keep walking. No, 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 out. no. Don't even get your stuff. Even worse than that, we were playing church league softball, and our other co-host who isn't joining us tonight, Josh Rhodes, was playing in the outfield. Okay, so this inning, I'm sitting out, and our friend, who was the youth minister at the church at the time, was like the coach. Like he wasn't. He didn't play a whole lot unless we absolutely needed him. Was he old guy or no? He wasn't old. It was just we had a team, like the team was stacked. It was yeah. full, and he was like, "There's just no point in me playing." Yeah. So he's standing there in the dugout, and I'm there hanging out with him, whatever. And he knows that this guy that is coming up to bat is going to hit opposite of where Josh Rhodes is out in the outfield. So he is because Josh is so good. He's no. Oh. So he's okay. waving Josh over to, like, shifting him from right field to kind of right center. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, just scoot over. So he's trying to wave him over, and he's hollering at Josh, move over. And Josh <laughs> looks up. <laughs> 
<laughs> he looks up at Brian from across the field, and he just waves at him like this. <laughs> like, like a, like a forced anyway. jump to <laughs> Lieutenant Danway. Brian looks at me and goes, that joker just waved <laughs> oh, Josh isn't even here to defend himself. And I lost my mind. It was so stinking funny. But Josh, God bless him, he never played a lick of sports. Like, that wasn't his thing. And so that That's was funny. just like... But it, he knows so much about sports. He though. does. That's the he, thing that would be shocking. Like, he... He is aware. It's not. He like, is a sports fanatic. Yeah. Like. So that's interesting that he wouldn't be like, "Yeah, I should move over, not wave back." <laughs> it was, it was Most of the time, the every team I've played I've for, the person who <laughs> coaches, the person who coaches but doesn't play is the guy with like the bad like whatever body part, it's bad like, knees. He's like, "Yeah, I've had five knee surgeries." I'm, yeah. But then is like the goat. Like no, dude, the one we, time they get up to bat, they just put it right in where they need to go and hit it over the fence or whatever. Yeah, or they're no. the pitcher. Our, okay, our had, old guy. I've got five ruptured discs in my back, but I'm pitching. Our old guy was the pitcher, and he was awesome. Yeah. One night, his bat bag got stolen. Uh-oh. Well, he had several thousand dollars of bats in this bag. I just wanted to say dollars. So he goes out, and he's talking to the police. I don't know what's going on. I'm standing out in the outfield because that's what I do. I'm not an infield guy. I'm an outfield guy. Smart. And they call me in, and I'm like, what's up? And they're like, we need you to pitch this inning. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be the worst. Because at this point, we're like almost done with the season, and I know how into it these people are. I mean, there's a guy – Standing in the door of the other dugout in striped pants. Oh okay? yes, I like these people are tucked serious. in with a belt. That guy. And so, did he have sleeves or no? Yeah, he had sleeves. Mm-hmm. And so the guy, the ump, tells just, me. I'm just trying to visualize it. Yeah, the ump tells me, okay, we're going to give you three pitches to warm up, and then we need to get this thing going. I was like. Okay, <laughs> so the first one. I just see like long-haired Chad out there, like yes. Uh. And so the first one is so far over the umpire's head, I almost threw it over the back fence. <laughs> then oh the second gosh. one falls just short of the plate, and I look to striped pants guy. <laughs> <laughs> And he mouths a cuss word, and his head just dropped. <laughs> like, this is going to be the longest. Was he on y'all's team? No, pants? he was on the other team. Why is he upset? Because I mean... he knew it was about to be a long night. <laughs> I was fixing to walk everybody out there. I only had to pitch one inning. There's a lot the of pressure in the pitching position of Church League softball. It, there is. It's a it's very serious business, which is ridiculous I just feel to like me. me and Chad are the but, guys that get prejudged because of our size. Yes. And they're like, these dudes are great it's like, at sports. It's like the it's people like, who pick I'm you really in basketball. I'm really good at one sport. Like, mm. Yeah. Man, so I the church I served at previously had a bunch of neighborhood kids that would come because we had a big gym and they wanted to play basketball. And I would go down and watch because I was a supervisor. Yeah. And... <laughs> One night, they were like, you should come out and play with us. And I was like, I'm terrible. I'm telling you up like, front. I am yeah. bad. And they were like, oh, you're just saying that because you don't want And I was like, no, I'm terrible. Yeah, no, Do you like, remember the scene it. in the office where they pass the ball to Stanley? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it was like. <laughs> so what sport are you good at? Football. Oh, okay. I'm good at hurting people. So at the church I served at previously... 
We had our own basketball that thing. That needs to be the title of the episode that the church has served at previously. <laughs> yeah. So everyone knows about upward basketball. Yeah. Sure. It was the same thing, but we called it crossover. Okay. Nice. And Killer I, crossover. Yes. <laughs> and I had this kid who was a ringer. He sandbagged his little like trial Tryout, thing where yeah. they dribble through the cones and all that crap. He's like kid dribbling off his he, foot on purpose. He was like on three AAU teams. Like he was a he was a head taller than everybody. This kid was insane. In practice, I was we were working on stuff. I had my hands up in front of him. He comes up and does a layup. He turns back and looks at me and says, "Man, you big for nothing." I was Ooh. like. I'm sorry, child. <laughs> I'll freaking drag you up back and beat you behind the dumpster. Dang it. It hurt my feelings so bad. His name, his name was Zion Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and he was the same kid who, I think I've told this story on here before. We were playing, and it was a game, and we were playing against, I think it was Brian, maybe, and then maybe Josh Rhodes was the referee, or vice versa. And we were just freaking pummeling them. It was not even close. This kid could not stop scoring. He could almost dunk in the fifth grade. Okay. Same. So they come over to me and they're chewing me out. And they're like, dude, you have to tell him to stop scoring. I was like, what do you want me to do? So I tell him, okay. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry. What's his name? I can't remember. It uh, was like it was like eight great. years ago. It yeah. probably is. I can't remember what was it from eight years ago. <laughs> and so... I was like, dude, you just got to pass the ball. I'm sorry. And he was like, okay. So they start d everybody else up because they know he's not going to shoot. So finally he looks back at me and from about midcourt just whoop and drains it. And I was like, guys, what do you want? Sorry. <laughs> what do you want me to do? do you remember? He, he posted me up in practice and made fun of me. He runs the team right. now. I don't yeah, know. I'm not, I'm not the coach. He's the captain now. Ooh, full circle. Do you remember when we went – we took that mission trip to Texarkana and you saw me shoot a basketball for the yes. first time. Yes, it was painful. <laughs> Chad, I'm standing there and I get the ball and I'd let everyone know I am terrible at basketball. And in Chad's mind, he's thinking, oh, he can't be that bad. Well, I thought it was like me. I am terrible at basketball. But you can still like <laughs> dribble, run, do a layup, right? Like Chad was so embarrassed to it know was me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't embarrassed to know you. I was just well, like, how you made me oh, feel. wow, you meant it. That's <laughs> like, don't do that again. <laughs> when, when, when you said terrible. Oh, you it said was you were not... terrible. You're, you're beyond terrible. You're absolutely awful. <laughs> you, I'm a disgrace to the sport. So your sport would be football. Josh, what would be the one sport that you'd have to go pro in? Is it softball? No. Um, Golf? Like growing up. Yeah, I mean, well, or probably maybe baseball. Today. Okay. I didn't but know right. you were a baseball guy. Yeah, I played baseball uh, for a long time. Yeah. Every successful softball player played baseball. He was the oh, dead gum Tom Brady of his Pop Warner football team. And then, and then quit. quit. One season and I quit. You just quit. You're like, I'm too good for Took this. him to the championships and was like, I'm out. And wasn't even supposed to be a quarterback. Yeah. Their quarterback just didn't show up to their scramble game or whatever. It's and the they, jamboree. And they were like, <laughs> who wants to be quarterback? Ooh, and no me. one wants to. Nobody? So Josh goes, 
Well, I hadn't ever been to any practices. The jamboree was the first thing I showed up to. Nobody, so everybody else was smart. They were like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh." Yeah, not nobody, me. nobody made eye contact with the coach when he was how, like, "How old was this?" Seventh grade. Like you didn't know a single play. You're just going no, out there like, "I'm going to hit the open receiver." Yeah. Oh no, they didn't let you throw it. Right? No, there we didn't start passing until later in the season. But it was uh, like, who wants to be quarterback? And nobody volunteered. And I was like, what's the problem here? I'll do it. And so I volunteered, and he didn't even know my name. He's like, "What's your name, son?" I'm like, well, "I'm Josh. This is my first. T- this is my first day here." <laughs> so the running back, the running back had to draw the plays in the dirt mm. for each play. Yeah, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. In the pros, even. That's they right. just walk out like a little dirt pan of dirt. Who's the Who's the Raiders? They just walk out a little pan of dirt. The Raiders that that played on the half field of well, they played on the played baseball, on baseball stadium, field, and it yeah. was half dirt. And you're like, seriously? Can we? Can so we not? I don't oh, know I what that. it is about it, but playing on a baseball field like that, yeah, and the uh, what's the football field in New Orleans? Superdome? The Superdome Superdome and the Arizona Cardinals football field, for some reason, I cannot stand to watch games in those stadiums. Like watching them on TV. Maybe you just hate those teams. I don't know what it – no, it's like the lighting. It's like the cameras I do not like the lighting in the Superdome. Yeah, it's awful. New Orleans Saints game like everything is blacked out, but the field – it looks like, yeah, well, the only thing that works in this place is the lights on the field and everything else is just like <laughs> They just don't want you and, to see the fans. And no, really, it's not even the lights. It's like in Walmart, they've got those little... Uh, the the lights that go off the skylights? Yeah, they've got yeah. the skylights, and that's all the that's, light yeah. that's coming Speaking in. Speaking of the Saints, and nobody will care about this, but Jameis Winston was doing a quarterback drill. Oh, boy. And, you know, he's he's QB1 now since, since Drew Brees is retired. Oh, he's trying boy. to run through this. It's like these... Like these dummies that are supposed to help with like ball protection, and so yes. you run through them and you bust them, and all these guys are like just blowing through them. And he goes and he starts running, and he's a big guy, and that last one like about knocks him over. <laughs> and so somebody like a sports center or something, some bleacher reporter like tweets yeah. like, "Oh, QB one struggle with that one." He's like, "Yeah, that last one kind of tripped me up." Like so, I think it's so funny when people will get on Twitter and like then comment about something where people have been saying stuff. And like, yeah, that, like, whatever, to add some hilarious comment. I thought that was funny. Dang it. That's all I got. So I've got a quick, I love would you rathers. I really do. Uh, They're yeah, my favorite. Do. Well, I sent you guys one. So in does the my pop 10-year-old group. daughter. Well, <laughs> good. She's smart. She's a smart one. I sent it in the pop group. It's a video. And the question is. Would you rather be filthy rich in America in the year 1900 or be poor now? Hmm. That's a tough one. I don't want to be poor ever. I'll be be filthy rich. (laughs) I'll deal with it. I'll set my family up for success. Yeah. Filthy rich in 1900 or poor now. What's my spiritual condition? (laughs) <laughs> whatever you're, whatever you do, I guess. Like whatever you do, whatever you are. I oh, okay, I great. Filthy rich. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> would you rather be? I don't know. Rich would money change absolute you? Absolute heathen who doesn't know the Lord, or 
Would money change you? I don't know. That's up to you. Oh, man. Says. <laughs> Aaron says yes. <laughs> Not in Especially the ni- in Money would change him or money would change like, you? It's downtown Main Street in whatever city I'm in. John Marston over here. Everyone is rolling by in <laughs> <the> horses, <laughs> and I've got the Model T. I'm like, mm. look at all these friggin' poor people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can hit one of them. <laughs> look at all these friggin' poor people. <laughs> well, it's funny. Somewhere, what do you think your job would be in the 1920s? I don't know. Probably something in oil. What? <laughs> or the railroad. Like essential oils? Yes. <laughs> this is peppermint. I'm not a witch doctor. <laughs> he's, out there, he's out there squeezing peppermints. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm doing lavender. pretty well for myself. So. so you're going filthy rich as well? Yeah. So the funny thing about that would you rather that I sent you guys, it was Barstool Sports. And they had uh, Dr. Kim Jong on, and that was one of the questions. And when he answered filthy rich, the guy was like, really? What about like the lack of technology and diseases and stuff? I was like, dude, it's the 1900s, not 1776. Yeah. Like, What's wrong with it, 1776? Well, you, I Easy. mean, filthy it's rich. It's the 1920s. <laughs> it's the boom well, 20s. he said the 1900s. Oh. And I was like. I mean, it could be 1990. It's well, it could be. Well, it could be. I think it was 1900, but even then, like, what, it's not like disease was rampant and people were living in shacks, like, the 1900s was when things started to really turn around. If I'm filthy rich around. in the 1900s, I am a pirate. Can um, I avoid the Great Depression is my question. <laughs> if you're rich. Can I sidestep that? Probably not. Well, if you're rich, I don't think you'd feel the effects Well, I think of if it. you got to go back. What am I rich Knowing from? what you know now, you'd be like, I'm just not going to invest in the stock market. That's right. Well, knowing what I know now, hey, you guys is one of these things called cell phones? <laughs> You're not going to believe it. Except you don't it. know how to make a cell phone. Oh, okay. Let's He's be, got let's some be honest. How frustrating would that be? You have all the knowledge of the future, but you can't do anything. But you don't know it. how to do anything? Hey, listen, I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but here's the deal. There's going to be this box, and stuff comes on it, and you can watch it. See, the best thing you could do with that knowledge is in invest in things you know are going to take off well see that's the thing i like one of my favorite nate Vargazzi jokes is where he talks about if you if i were a time traveler and went back in time there's no way i'd be able to prove i'm from the future (laughs) he's like i don't know enough (laughs) like there's gonna be he's like guys guess what there's gonna be satellites like oh yeah what's a satellite oh gosh i don't know (laughs) how do we get it up there i have no he's like i there's he's like i would be doing worse than i'm doing now if you sent me back in time i'm gonna be the guy who fills in the blanks like hey that looks good oh i recognize this thing let's put it that goes in the sky that that's a good that's a fun thought what would be the thing if you traveled back in time that you could fully express that you are from the future. I don't know. Like, like if what someone I was use? like, who's our next president yeah, like, going to be? I'm going to be like, well, I, don't, I don't have a clue. <laughs> FDR's would, in there somewhere. Right. <laughs> Mine would be, um, well, golf clubs have changed quite a bit. Yeah. Would you take a, a new pair back there and try and just... If I could take something back with me... No, not taking anything back oh, you with you. you can't take it back. So it's just to, you going back. To how prove? do you prove you're from the future? Like uh, you meet you someone well, and they're like, I don't well, know. You can't what prove point? you're from yeah, the future what, until what the year, future hits. At what year do you go back and then you have to like define like a defining moment where you're like, hey, 1912, that Titanic is not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> when you start Anybody want to bet me? Anybody want to take any bets? <laughs> when you start hearing about this thing called the Titanic, 
Well, see, if I you're like, back, yeah, that's gonna sink. If I landed in like the nineteen, the late nineteen thirties, let me teach you guys about a thing called prohibition. I'd Not be like, like so this thing that you just finished called a world war. There's gonna be another one, <laughs> and Dang. I know who's in charge. Like, <laughs> I would probably approach the. That would be so the, ominous. The it great be, well, depression. see, that's the, that's the most knowledge I have is like war. And the Bible, like <laughs> those are you the things do, holding residence. You can in my go in the forties and hit the Dead Sea Scrolls if they're interested, yeah. and I'd be like, okay. The television would be fun to try to explain. Elvis Presley yeah. would be. There's going to be a explain. box with moving pictures on it. No People way. in a box. Oof. I saw something real disturbing about Elvis Presley. About Elvis Presley. Don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. As I was doing my Google searches. <laughs> Yo, you're back to Google, huh? Well, I've Not always Duck, Duck, Go. searched Google. DuckDuckGo. They actually Duck, Duck, gone. They actually take your stuff and sell it. I saw a billboard for oh, DuckDuckGo the other day, and I thought of you. Oh, you should. I thought, well, Chad's the only person who's in that billboard. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> was it DuckDuckGo or DuckDuckGoose? It was not DuckDuckGoose. That was a shameless plug by you, though. Hey, <laughs> it's this weekend. <laughs> yeah. weekend. Y'all should go. Fifth through the eighth, right? At the Benton Event Center, yeah. Benton Event Center, if you know where that's at. Saline County. Back to school shopping at the Duck Duck Goose. You can I'm find selling it. things in Duck Duck Goose, and I didn't know the dates. <laughs> you can find it on the Duck Duck Go. <laughs> What's a Duck Duck Go? Never heard that's of that. His, a, that's his. Super, it's a search engine that supposedly doesn't like save your search. I'm pre- I appreciate that, that you didn't. Mm. That you said supposedly. Supposedly, because you don't believe. Well, here's the thing. Duck Duck Go is fine, but it's just. The efficiency of Google is unmatched. It's just not very user-friendly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, So, anyways, that was all fun. So, last week, we talked about... (laughs) Well, we kind of caught up on the Mars Hill stuff with Casey and Josh, who hadn't shared their thoughts. Uh, And then we talked about just, like, church leadership and a lot of uh, church dysfunction with, like mega churches and things and then if you listen to the episodes you know that i had some mishaps with the audio and i ended up losing like the last 10 minutes my be of uh yeah that's on me Casey. i'm so well, sorry it on you it's on me for not paying attention yeah but well i'll take the blame well thank you I the last 10 it. minutes were probably the greatest 10 minutes of this podcast though which sucks. which for me <laughs> gosh like it's just gone so, we don't want to, or I don't want to, I don't care what these guys want, okay. uh, don't want to present this huge problem without any solution, because that's what people do, right? They nitpick things, and they say things are wrong with something, but they don't give any solution to it. And so, if you are listening to this, and if you listened to last week's podcast, and if you've been listening to like the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Maybe you are one of those people that's been hurt by the church or is maybe currently on staff at or a member at a church that you feel has a lot of dysfunction. And so I kind of wanted to talk about, like, what do you do in those instances? What is the role of just a regular church member? Um, because a lot of people, when they run into issues with their church or they don't like their church or they feel like there's dysfunction, what do they do? They just leave, right? Mm -hmm. And they just go to another church and then they attend that church for five or six years until they feel like they find some kind of dysfunction with that. And then they go to another church. So 
if you guys can remember what we talked about last week with leadership and the pitfalls of leadership and then some of the attributes of a good leader, uh, what, what would you guys say? So what would you guys say to a staff member or a congregant of a church that they feel is dysfunctional? What would you say to them? How, what do they do in that case? What do they do to make a difference or an act to change or whatever? Like, what would you say to that person? To a church member? To a church member or a church staff member who's at a church that they feel is dysfunctional. Well, so I would, I mean, for me, I think the first thing you ask them is, are you part of the problem? Mm. Um, you know, especially staff leadership, like people who are on staff, uh, you know, you make a lot of decisions, depending on if you're elder ran or, or whatever the case, you may have a deacon body or, um, but I think a lot of the DNA is kind of replicated throughout staff members, hopefully. Um, and so, hey, are you contributing to this problem? Or are you trying to solve it? The other thing I would tell people, and I'm kind of short and sweet on this because church health is something that I'm passionate about, um, is the idea of are you making this better or worse? You know, because there's no perfect church. And so we all have been members of churches. We've all been on staff at churches that are on this podcast. And so we know kind of what healthy churches hopefully look like. Hopefully we've been in those scenarios, but we all probably know what unhealthy churches look like. And the reality is um, you can, you know, and so part of a leader is, is coming along and saying, hey, uh, I noticed this. And I think part of that is going to the leadership. And so sometimes you have to have hard, hard discussions and hard you know, conversations with um, you know, pastors and leaders and just saying, hey, I, I've kind of noticed this or this is feedback from other pastors or this is something church members have said. You know? And so from the staff standpoint, I think that's part of it. I think from a, like a member there's a real fine line between like being submissive to leadership and then, you know, being kind of obnoxious. And so, um, you know, prayer is obviously an important part of that, but then honest and open communication. Hey, this, this is something. And I hate whenever I have leaders who maybe feel like they can't come to me with something. Uh, but then they go to, you know, maybe go to someone who someone else, another staff member. Or, you like hear it third or fourth Yeah, it's, it's like, hey, if you could just tell me, that would be great because then we can work on this together. Yeah. And so, you know, that not going behind people's backs and just having that opportunity to say, hey, I've kind of noticed a couple things now with the whole Mark Driscoll thing. <laughs> That was like, hey, you can tell him, but he's not here. But like, obviously, he was not going to have it. And so then the question is, like, is that dude full of the spirit or full of himself? And so, oof, yikes. Yeah, I would say a couple things um, from a staff from a staff standpoint in terms of is um, is there an environment or a forum or is the communication um, system uh, set up in such a way that people are comfortable communicating with you mm. as a staff or as a leader. And that has to, we talked about last week, you know, those, you have to be intentional in, in creating that sort of an environment and a culture of, of uh, openness, transparency, vulnerability. Yeah. You know, we don't have all of the answers. Um, 
and so we we want to like Casey said we want to work together leadership and uh, I guess if you call them uh, members of the church or whatever work together to accomplish our mission and so that takes a lot of open lines of communication and that doesn't happen by accident you have to be intentional to to create that sort of a culture Mm -hmm. also i would say that conflict is healthy Mm. if it's handled um, properly appropriately and in a healthy way and (sighs) to make progress there's going to be conflict you can't avoid it avoiding the conflict doesn't get anybody anywhere um and the last thing i would say probably is are you talking to the people that are going to be able to affect change mm. if you're not then you're just talking yeah um and your your purpose isn't to to be a part of the solution or to bring to attention a blind spot or a pain point in the organization if you're not talking to the people that are going to be able to affect change, then you're just talking, and um, and that's not healthy, you yeah. know. Well, I I tend to lean more towards handling things a spiritual way, if that makes sense. So. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel like I sounded really over spiritual by saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because Josh and Casey don't handle things spiritually. <laughs> yeah, I like what y'all said, but I'm going to handle it in a, in the a way, spiritual way. In spiritually, like biblically? Or? Well, I agree. I just, I agree with what you said wholeheartedly, 100%. Thank you. Thank I you. do. I think that, like you said, if you are not, uh, if you're not talking to the people who can affect change, if you don't have a, a healthy culture of uh, communication, if you're not, um, you know, if you're gossiping and things like that, then you are becoming part of the problem, you know? Yeah. But I also think that your first response, and it's something that Casey mentioned, your first response should be prayer. Mm. Just because I feel like in those situations, so many people act like God doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, there's, uh, I think it's in Ezekiel where uh, God is just looking for someone to stand in the gap. And it, it, like he tells Ezekiel, like this city would have been saved if I could have found found one person to stand in the gap and and intercede on their behalf. Yeah. And so it's like God knows what's going on. He knows all of the unhealthiest parts of every church. And so I think your first step is to start with prayer and ask God to reveal those things to the like, cause, you know. I think if you're in a church, especially like me, when I was growing up in church, I genuinely cared for my pastors. I genuinely cared for my student pastor, and uh, you know, I, I wanted. It's not like I looked at those men and was like, "Oh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to do it right." It was like, you know, 
maybe they're just missing something. And so you pray for God to reveal that to them. And then you pray if, if you, you know, if you don't think that your pastor is the right man for this, this is something I heard Robbie Gallaty say. If he said, if you, if you want to change your pastor, like you're, if you're in a position where you don't think the youth pastor is doing what he should be doing or the senior pastor is doing what he should be doing or whatever, if you want to change your pastor, then pray for that pastor. Because the truth is, God is the one that can change the heart. He's the only one that can change the heart. Absolutely. So, you know, that was one of the one of the things that has weighed so heavily on me is even working in a church, you know, you see those you see some blind spots that people have and I'm just I'm a fixer, so I have a tendency to want to just do it myself kind of behind, you know, not necessarily behind anybody's back, but kind of like don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Yeah. Kind of thing where it's don't like make I a just big show I, of it. Right, like I just want to be able to help this area so I don't have to worry about it, that kind of thing. But in actuality, like Josh and Casey both said, like if you don't, if you don't know about a problem, you can't fix it, mm. you know. Yeah. But I would much rather the Lord be the one to reveal that sometimes than, than me, you know, like because I've prayed, like am I the one, am I the man that is supposed to say something about this or, or not? And so I think that should be your first thing is ask, I see this problem. Am I the person that you like? Are you allowing me to see this because you want me to be the one that goes and has that conversation that starts conflict or start, you know, whatever? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's, you know, maybe it's not you that's supposed to have that conversation. Or maybe you see yeah. that problem because God wants you to step into that situation. And instead of going to the pastor and going, hey, I see a problem. You go, hey, I see a need that I would like to fill. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because that's my biggest problem, like you said, is in church where people go, this is wrong. This yeah. is broken. And then they turn around and walk away. Yes. And it's like, well, are yeah. you, you know, there's an well, old mantra. There's 9% of the church doing 90% of the work. Yeah. Because everyone else is just kind of. Yeah, what happened like, to 80-20? Oh, it's gotten smaller than that, man. Gosh, dang. Where have I been? <laughs> well, so, and. This might be a big statement, and it might be hurtful, but I think it's true, and if it's not, you guys can correct me. If your first step isn't prayer, Mm -hmm. it might reveal a problem with you. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right? Like, it might be your personal preference out of some kind of selfishness, and if you don't go to God with it first... It's you just want to step in and fix it when because th- you think you have the answer. When I think is church leadership too, that that's something that's kind of been on my heart is, and my is my desire to schedule something, do something, program something, because that takes time and that takes effort and that takes energy. Or is my desire to, now let's just spend time in some prayer. And a lot of times, what I do is is I try to get to the the thing, the event, or the the moment, or you know we have the systems in place and we we do the things and we have the structure but is my desire to be someone who sets those things up or is my desire to say hey as like a church body as as the people that i lead and i'm over let's spend some time in prayer and so i think it reveals a lot about our heart yeah uh, a lot about our ministry styles you know because it's easy to be busy like in in church where like doing is not just like enough like when it comes to like for the kingdom of god so the other thing I was that you were talking about that kind of um, 
brought something up in me. I was talking about last week, I've been reading this book by Paul David Tripp called Lead, and he talks about the mirror in which we view ourselves as leaders. And so the reflection that we see is always changing because it's the way that we interpret it. And so, man, Aaron, if you know that like your problem is I can't stop eating you know, whatever hostess cake you love. What what, what do you... Oh, my donut sticks. Donut, donut sticks. sticks. Like, you know wow. that, that, like, you're like, man, I'm kind of gaining some weight. But it's not the donut sticks. It's It's got to be other things. Like, we, you know, we, we always change the reason mm. for what it is to kind of fit the narrative that we want. And I think in church leadership, too, man, the reason that this is struggling or that we've seen a decline here or that people you know, have issues and problems are, and we're so quick to put it on this, this, and this. And I, I kind of myself have been through, um, kind of the ringer with, with people in my life that have been speaking truth into me about, Hey, like your leadership style and things like that. Not that you're not a good leader, but like the organization in which you lead out of maybe isn't the best. And so, you know, for me that kind of hurts. I'm kind of like, dang, like, okay, but I appreciate that. And so in my mind, I was like, hey, this is fine. Like, we did the event. And I mean, there's obviously things you can do better. Um, but I'm like, I'm relational with students. And, and, you know, like, that's all great. But the reality is the, the reflection I was seeing in the mirror was not an honest one. Or it's like, yeah. hey, how are you as a leader? I'm like, I'm great. Like, it's perfect. Well, no, it's not. Like, you just, you choose to see one thing. And I think in the church, we as leaders choose to see hey, you know, Josh, what's your biggest, you know, flaws and failures? You're like, I don't know. I'd have to really search that out. Well, it's because we're not honest with ourselves as leaders. And so we need people who can come alongside us and say, hey, like, Josh, this right here, like, is an area where I know that you struggle and I want to help you with that. And we get so offended, so just, like, butthurt about it where it's like, (laughs) you know, like, everybody's like, no, that's not it. Well, yeah, it is. Like, we all have areas where we can grow. And so that kind of lends to the humility part of as a leader and as someone who's been called by God. Um, and I just think about, and, and back on the Mark Driscoll thing, like if that dude had like a touch of humility, mm. man. Mm-hmm. Like, so I want to say something real quick on humility. I thought I had the other day. And then I want to ask another question. Speaking of humility, I was talking with my small group last Wednesday and <clears throat> We were talking. We were talking about Jesus, <laughs> and it's a good start. I was like, guys, the question was, why do you think Jesus's first real like miracle, his first show of like his power, was so subtle, and it was just like him, his mom, and a couple guys. Like, why was it such a small setting? Why wasn't it like a bigger, you know, show of his power and authority? And my small group, they were, you know, kind of struggling to find an answer. And I was like, okay, well, what, how did, how was he born? What would you say about Jesus's birth? And one of them said it, well, it was kind of quiet and humble. And I was like, exactly. His first miracle was the same way. It was very quiet and humble. And I was like, now think about this. Jesus, with all authority and all powerful, having control of literally the entire universe, didn't make a big deal of himself Mm. even to the point that his first some of his first miracles when he started his ministry he still told people like when he healed them like hey don't go tell everybody what happened here but of course they did because it was insane (laughs) yeah but like jesus 
who could literally end all of existence with the snap of his fingers, the thought of his mind, did not make a big deal out of himself. So the thought that anybody, any of us, or any pastor, or any church member, or anyone, would think so highly of themselves that they make a big deal out of themselves or out of their opinion or whatever... But it just that thought occurred to me last week and I was like, man, it's really laughable to think like just because we're on the whole, I don't want to keep hammering on Mark Driscoll, but like Mark, listening. we know you're listening. We, <laughs> we love you, dude. You just got some stuff to work out, buddy. Listening to the latest episode of that podcast. It's just titled the brand hearing that, you know, they did a service in London and when he was leaving, people were asking for his autograph, and he actually did it. Like, dude, you're a pastor. Don't you, sign autographs. Pause. You wouldn't, but, you wouldn't sign an autograph after one of your shows where you're like... If I was doing a concert, yes. If I was doing worship, absolutely not. You'd be like, get out of my face. Yeah, like... Really? If, if, if I'm doing a con... No, I wouldn't I say get out of my face. I get kids asking me for autographs all the time. Now, it's like a National Shut Honor up. Society thing, and I have to just fill it out, but <laughs> they have to have my signature. Boo that joke. Well, you think I'm a terrible person, Chad? No, I'm saying when those people come up to him and they're like, hey, can I get your autograph? Like, the, the response should be... Like, if you're asking for my autograph, like, I think you've missed the point. Yeah. And, like, have that conversation with those people. But, anyway, so that's just my thoughts on humility. If God was so humble, why would you ever not be? Well, uh, God did a lot of things that we struggle to do. Well, that's true. We do have sin in our lives. Uh, but just a thought for you to think about. Maybe some... Uh, and I, I need humility, too, because I think I'm right 99% of the time. I'm perfect. And you guys know that. Uh, so then the question that I wanted to ask, if you were speaking to a church staff member or a church leader, what advice would you give them to open up those lines of communication to make someone in the congregation feel comfortable to express any concern that they had with their church staff? Because I know a lot of times people think, I can't talk to the pastor, right? Because he's the guy who knows everything. He's the spiritual leader. Who am I to call him out on something that he may have said or done that I think is wrong or scripture even says is wrong? So what would you tell a church leader or a church staff member? How do you open up that line of communication to your congregation to where they feel comfortable approaching church staff? Well, I mean... I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to do that. and um, But I think that that re- being intentional about having genuine relationships with people, you know, I, I think that if somebody knows that um, I'm just a dude, I mean, I'm not anything... I'm not anything more important or special than you are just because I'm standing up on the stage. We've talked about this before. We all have a role to play in this thing called the body of Christ and and so there there are there are systems that you can put in place, but that sounds very 
robotic and manufactured. Um, but for some reason, there is a <coughs> there is a barrier um, most of the time between the people and the leadership. And to be honest with you, sometimes you can be the most transparent, vulnerable, relational. Um, down-to-earth, average guy just like you, and people are, people are not going to come talk to you because they, don't, they really don't want to fix any problems. Mm-hmm. They just want to, they want to have a problem. Yeah. And if they, if, they, if they open up and they talk about it, then a problem may be fixed, and then they won't have a problem anymore. Um, and so... You can you can have the best system of communication on the planet, and a lot of people will take advantage of it and will address things in, in appropriate ways and biblical ways. And but most people are just go- not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I that's would, unfortunate. It I would is. say along those lines as well. Because, like, as you're talking, I'm thinking of, like, whenever I hear of an issue going on in my ministry, whether it's a blind spot, something I'm not doing that I should be doing, something that people find important that I'm just overlooking, it always comes through the avenue of a personal relationship. Like, it's always a student that I'm close with that is, like, you know, they're not coming to me to hammer me, or an adult that I'm close with. You know, they're not coming to me to hammer me, but they come to me in love and with gentleness to go, hey, I just want you to be aware of this, you know, because I love you and I care about you. And uh, to me, that, you know, like Josh said, that I think that's the best thing. But people are only going to feel that way if you make yourself accessible, Yeah. which is like, like one of my favorite times is on Sunday morning when I'm just standing out there while everyone's coming in saying hey to everyone. Like I just want them to know like, I'm accessible. And I think it's, I think I get, because I'm hardly ever on the main stage, you know, to do anything. Uh, So I think it's a little bit of a surprise to most people when I get up there and they're like, oh, this is our student ministries pastor. Because they're like, oh, I just thought he was just some guy. I really kind of. Just the dude that has the huge cup of coffee every Sunday morning in the entryway. Right. You know, it's like, oh, there's coffee guy. Like I, but I like that. Like I like having people feel comfortable enough. Kind of incognito. Me. I am, but I like that because people feel comfortable enough to talk to me. And like Josh said, they see me as a real person. And like I like that's you know like with our pastor, he's as soon as he comes off stage, he's not going to hide in in a green room or in an office. Like he goes right to the front of the church and he says goodbye to everyone. And like it, it just makes him accessible. People feel like I can go talk to him. You yeah. know, and having my like. I tell people, you know, they see our phone numbers on the back of our worship guide every week. And I like telling people, like, that's my personal phone number. Like, if you have that, you can reach me anywhere I am, yeah. anytime. And and people take advantage of that. Like Josh says, you are going to have those people whose whole life is based on drama. And if they don't have anything to be angry about, they don't know who they are. And can I just say, when you were talking about that, I got to thinking, I that those are the people I just cannot understand. Yeah. Because my personality is the exact opposite. I want things resolved and I want peace. Well, and quite honestly, I don't want to be 
filled with anxiety or anger or frustration. Like, right. I want it to be done. Quite honestly, I think those are the people that Paul writes to some churches about and are like, have nothing to do with them. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's where church discipline and stuff comes into play. Well, and it's part of the danger of opening up those lines of communication. Because yeah. you will get people who just complain about right. everything. Right. And I'm going to be really honest. Like, I am, like Casey said, we're we're just, you know... We're going to miss things. We're humans. Of course. We're not perfect. And I don't want you to feel like I have it all together. And I take it as a blessing if you come to me and go, hey, I've noticed this. Because nine times out of ten, I'm going to go, you're right. I haven't noticed that. You know, like, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Like, I really appreciate that. I think that's providence from the Lord helping me as a shepherd to be a better shepherd, you know? And so I don't ever want people to be afraid to approach me with anything because they think that I just, you know, walk around like I have it all together because I certainly do not. But, you know, I I think if, if I were to talk to another minister, especially like a young guy going into his first student ministry pastor job or his first pastor job, like make yourself accessible. Like I, it's easy to look at guys like, Mike Todd or, you know, Matt Chandler and, and all these other guys that we look up to and we idolize that are celebrities in our eyes. You want to make yourself like that and feel like you have to be just kind of secluded from everyone. And that's just not the truth. Like your job is to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to you. And that means making yourself accessible to them. Yeah. I, I think there's there's not like one thing you can... Like, it's like I can't tell you something and then like it flips the switch. Right. I, th- I think a lot of what you guys have said, a, a lot of it is a heart a heart set. Uh, that mentality of availability is, is huge. Um, and then also just a willingness to serve. And so I think looking like Christ, and that's such a like cliche church answer. But like, hey, what I want to do is I want to love well and I want to lead well in that. And I think a lot of times there's two sides to every coin. And so, hey, for church leaders, uh, part of that is is understanding that people are sometimes in a moment of crisis. And while, you know, working with students, you, you're familiar with this. A student's crisis is not an adult crisis. No. Uh, hey, yeah. man, the worst thing that has happened to them is like this, this boy broke up with me or this girl, you know, cheated on me. And in that moment, that is a crisis. You know, as an adult who is married and has two kids, I'm like, listen, this ain't even, this ain't nothing. Right. Like, this you is, will literally not think about this a month. From yeah, now. <laughs> like this, this might be God's provision in your life, but yeah. also think that people don't realize um, what it what it goes into as far as being on staff at a church. Um, if you've never done it, uh, it's it's very stressful. It's very um, do you ever have kids ask you what you do during the week? Oh, yeah. Like, they, I think you just show up on Wednesday they night. Think I, some of them don't think I work. Some of them think I only read the Bible. Some of them think I only play video games. Right. Like, and I'm, they're like, what do you do all day, though? Like, you just read your Bible? I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I wish. Like, <laughs> I wish that's what the, I did, Do you yeah. see the fruit? Like, obviously, I'm not only reading my Bible, right? right? These would be killer sermons if that was all I did. <laughs> They're just, oh, so they're you just, don't preach man. killer sermons? Well, I, I, that's leaning into that humble thing. You can go <laughs> listen to them, guy or students on YouTube, check it out. But, um, you know, for me, I think people don't realize, it, and, and there's, there's a mental element to that where 
um, what happens is, is as a student pastor and as just a pastor, you kind of uh, unintentionally like bear the burden of everyone. And so mm-hmm. students will come to you with stories or, hey, pray for this or let's talk about this. And, and what happens is it's not like, hey, thank you for sharing that. And then I can move on. Like, no, like I want to commit to praying for that. But mm-hmm. in doing so, like, like when when I when you hurt I hurt kind of thing yeah. and and it's not like hey I work at the bank and when I like I like shut it down it's done I yeah. go home and I'm done just like you said like hey people have access to me and so that's text messages that's phone calls and things like that and so I try to set up in my life just times that are protected like I'm not around my phone at certain times and on the weekends I try to be with my family but you know what people don't realize is that any complaint that is inside the church and, and a lot of them that maybe aren't even dealing with the church yeah. like we deal with that and so you take that emotion you take all those things and people I think assume that it's kind of like alright like new day start fresh well no like there's there's highs and lows and, and that's like kind of that ebb and flow of life and um, as a pastor like what I would encourage people who are non-church like staff like encourage those staff members all they all they would really need is like somebody being like hey i notice like you're busting it and man like for me when people come along because i'm a words of affirmation person yeah. i don't need you to tell me that my sermon was great or good or whatever like i just need you to be like hey i know that you're working really hard and i appreciate that that for i see me, you Casey. thank you like that for <laughs> me though is the thing and so yeah. i think as a pastor what, what I would tell a pastor is, like, don't be discouraged by all the things that the world throws at you. Mm. Like, do what God has called you to, and then be faithful and obedient to serve well. And so in that, there's going to be times where, I mean, even today I had a conversation with someone where I'm like, I don't even know that I like doing student ministry. And it's just a reality because the stuff that comes with it. Do I love telling students about the love of Christ and then trying to connect them from childhood into adulthood? Absolutely. Like, I want to be like the 70 year old youth pastor. And, like, if, like, Lord willing, I would do that. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but hey, our God is an awesome God. That's right. He reigns. What I, what I would love to lighten his fist. That's right. What I would love to wow. do is <laughs> that, that changes lives. Um, is disciple myself out of a job. Yeah. Um, you know, there's ministry leaders at our church that uh, kind of walking with them into what it looks like to lead people and have conversations like, I don't see how y'all do it, you know, and I don't, this doesn't make sense, and how do I need to navigate this, and what's the best way to have this conversation with so-and-so where I don't feel like we're, you know, and so there are people that we walk beside that are investing in other people mm-hmm. and and the idea of discipleship should be even as church leaders is to disciple ourselves out of a job the problem is is a lot of pastors um, and churches and that that church attender and pastor relationship is the pastor is the answers the pastor is the fix the pastor is the minister the pastor is all these things that nobody else can do Mm. and so it's got to only flow one way and that's not true true yeah and it's unhealthy 
And that's why pastors get to the point where they get to emotionally, um, mentally. sin in their life because they got no one to talk to about it. Just it just becomes yeah. too much because they're the end-all, be-all for all spiritual things. And it's not just spiritual things. It's all relational things. It's any problem in somebody's life, well, the, I need to talk to the pastor. Mm-hmm. And... In some, in most situations, nothing wrong with talking to the pastor. But what if, what if your neighbor or the person sitting by you in the pew or the chair every Sunday is the person that helps you navigate this life yes. crisis? Well, and so on that note, and what Casey was saying, and Casey didn't say this per se. He was talking about you know, for you church goers who aren't on staff, you know pray for your staff and maybe encourage your staff and you saying this, we lose the idea of our personal role in God's plan and in, you know, our role as a Christian for that church staff. Church staff is supposed to do everything and we just show up and we learn on Sundays and we sing. Right. But it's not that way. You know, people have the mindset of the pastor should be taking me out to lunch and asking me how I'm doing Mm -hmm. and so on. Instead of, you know what, maybe I take one of the pastors out to lunch Mm -hmm. and I ask him how he's doing Mm -hmm. and how are things in his personal life and get to know him. And same thing with what you're saying, maybe instead of, you know, going to the pastor for my counseling or my, you know, this going on in my life or that, Maybe I go to my friend who goes to church with me. Yeah, who I know is walking it. with Jesus yes. and is living out this faith that we're trying to navigate. Yeah, you know, and and we so we all if there were like tears, we we expect. Oh, there's tears for sure. <laughs> we expect the pastor. Oh, you mean like that's right? Not not from your face tears. That's right. I'll okay. I'll, I'll I'll equate it to like a Madden rating, like video games. The pastor's supposed to be 99 overall. I'm like a 68, (laughs) and I'm probably not going to get beyond a 68 because it's the pastor and the connection pastor and the youth minister and the worship leader. It's their job to be 99 overall Mm -hmm. and take care of everyone's problems. Mm -hmm. And so I I settle in at a 68 when it's not supposed to be that way. You are supposed to always be focusing on and trying to increase your connection with God, your personal relationship with God, your knowledge of God and mm-hmm. the things that we see in his word, which are truth, mm-hmm. and using that to help encourage, disciple everyone else around you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think one of the, one of the best things that has been said in that Rise and Fall podcast is at the end of the first episode. The episode was titled, Who Killed Mars Hill? And the guy says, maybe it was all of us. Mm-hmm. And I 100% agree with that statement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think any church establishment, not mm-hmm. the big C church because that's not going to happen, but any small church, the church congregation that crumbles and falls and they shut the doors and never meet again, it's everybody's fault. Yeah, Everybody had We're a role to play and you didn't fulfill your role. Mm-hmm. If the congregation were really devoted to growing spiritually, the church would not fall apart. Mm. Whether the pastor had, you know, a 
you know, cheated on his wife and the other staff members embezzled money, whatever, it wouldn't matter what the church staff did if the church body were right. doing what they were supposed to be doing. Well, I'm going to be honest. As someone who sits in the seat of a pastor and bears that title, I do look up to guys like John Piper and Matt Chandler, but I don't point to them as the guys who help me form spiritually. Yeah. Like I mentioned guys like Mike Cheshire and Charles Stacker. Those are my small group leaders when I was in youth group. Yeah. I point to a senior, Eric Michaels, when he was in high school, like just didn't know me from Adam. And we were worlds apart. Like I was a football player, jock kid. He was just this uber nerdy guy. And he just took me under his wing. And, and one of the most important things he said to me is he's like, I just want to do for you what somebody did for me. You know, and so if I can encourage you, if you're listening – and you're wondering, you know, what's one of the things me and Casey deal with all the times as students going, what is, what is God calling me to do? How do I figure that out? I think, you know, I don't know what season of life you're in. And by calling, I don't know if you mean like what profession does he want me to do. But I can tell you that your overall calling as a believer in Christ is if you have any kind of spiritual maturity, is to pass that on mm-hmm. and to, to just, you know, if you're wondering, well, where do I start? Like, just... Ask God, lay someone on my heart, or say, maybe somebody you're already concerned about. Like, man, I just wish they knew Jesus better. Yep. And go to them, and then do for them what someone did for you. Like, I, I that's what I do to this day. I do with students what Eric Michaels did for me. I take him out, and we just talk. We have conversations about spiritual things, and and so just do that. Whatever somebody did to disciple you, use that as your model. And then take the knowledge that you've gained through your own discipleship journey and turn around and pass it off to someone else. As a minister, that would be the hugest help to me. Like I'm having a conversation. I had a conversation yes. at lunch today. We just we, we had a camp several weeks ago. One of the kids at camp got saved. He came and, and we, he came with a small group leader to me to ask me some questions and uh, said he wanted to give his life to Christ. And I said, okay, well, here's what this means. I said, but I'm going to let this guy, I'm going to let your small group leader walk you through that. Well, I was having lunch with that small group leader today, and that kid texted him and was like, how do I grow in Jesus? Like, that's what I want to see in my ministry. Yeah. I don't want that kid texting me, asking me questions. I want that kid texting his small group leader, mm-hmm. asking questions. That's the biggest help to me. That's how I know I'm accomplishing my mission as a pastor in discipling students who are discipling other students. You know, And so if you're out there... And you're not like you don't have, first of all, if you don't have an older accountability, like that's one of the biggest things we see in the Marshall story is he just did not lend himself over to older, wiser men to speak truth into his life. Hard truth sometimes, you know. And, you know, so find somebody like that and just go pick somebody. Don't go to your pastor. Yeah. Find another more mature believer in your church and ask them to be your accountability partner or whatever, and then find somebody that's not as mature as you and start investing in them. Yeah, and if you're looking around and you're disappointed, you don't see God moving, you don't see you know spiritual development happening around you, look at yourself. Take stock of yourself 
Like Michael Jackson said, start with the man in the mirror. Come on. Starting with the man in the mirror. And take personal responsibility. You know, there's this, uh, I'm sure everyone knows who he is at this point, Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. He's a big proponent of personal responsibility. And I was listening to a, he was on like this panel of this talk show. And this person, they were, I forget what they were discussing exactly. Maybe it was like uh, global warming. We'll just say it was that for the example. Uh, and they were like, you really think personal responsibility is the way to go? And he's like, well, yeah, I can tell all of you till I'm blue in the face to recycle your stuff. But if I'm not recycling my stuff, what good does it do? Because nine times out of ten, you're not going to listen to me and start doing that. So if everyone took personal responsibility, a change would be made. Mm-hmm. There would be cause and effect. And so same thing spiritually and in your church. If you aren't seeing change in your church that you want, look at yourself. Start making that change. And Josh Inman told me one time, and I'll never forget it. It was a point in my life where I was just frustrated and I was tired and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life other than I knew I wanted to work in ministry and forward the kingdom of God. And I was talking about church planning. Mm-hmm. And he said, stop. I was like, okay. He was like, if you're not doing those things now where you are, what makes you think you're going to do them if you go plant a church? I was like, okay, yeah. If I'm not discipling someone now, if I'm not reading my Bible now, praying now, if I'm not doing those things now, I'm not going to do them just because I changed my location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, what happens... Um, I'm going to say 100% of the time is... It's probably fair to say. If I become disgruntled, if I start to nitpick or point out or I'm dissatisfied, um, I'm not happy with the direction of my life, uh, whatever the issue is, almost 100% of the time, I'll ask a couple of questions. When was the last time you invested in somebody else? I don't remember last time. So what that means is you're just focused on you. If you're a Christ follower, when what is it what is your pursuit of Jesus personally look like right now? It's non-existent. Okay. So as a Christ follower, you're not pursuing Jesus uh, through communication with him in prayer and time in God's word. You're not doing that and you're not serving or investing in anybody else, that's a recipe for self-centered, consumeristic, um, really, um, well, you just get negative and crappy over time. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you, you, you begin attitude. to, you get crusty, your attitude begins to stink, and then you begin to project off onto everybody else that everybody else is the problem and that's not just the um the church people staff dynamic that's just your everyday life dynamic you know yeah well and one last thing i know we're kind of out of time but we're the we're the greatest effectors of change and so like if you don't see the change happening maybe you need to do something about it whether you're a pastor whether you're a lay leader maybe you're a person who 
hey, this is my first time visiting the church. Like, we're the ones who, and that's everything in life. Like, if you want something to be different, and I tell my seven-year-old this, if you want to see change, like, be the person who, who causes the change. If you see someone being picked on or bullied, like, do that. If you want to, mm. you know, there's there's this certain group of people who play basketball every single time at the playground. Well, like, if you want you and your friends to go over there and play with them, like, be the people who say, hey, mm. we want to play basketball too. And so yeah. it's just an example of, I think we in the church is like, oh, well, someone else will do that. Like, no, like, mm-hmm. the, as the body of Christ, like, we all have important roles. And sometimes when we rely on other people to do the roles that we've been called to fill, uh, we don't get to truly experience, like, what God has created us to mm-hmm. do. So, Well, and if you're a Christ follower trying to affect change, it needs to look like the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It needs to be filled with grace and humility. Yes. Um, not... Um, angry, um, judgmental, all of the things that are opposite of the fruit of the Spirit um, and that are puffed up um, is super important if your goal is is for God to be honored by by what you're doing. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us, and this will probably wrap up our little three episode stint on the church oh Uh, man good (laughs) but this was good i hope you guys enjoyed it as much as i did i hope you got something out of it i hope that maybe this opened your eyes to something that you were blind on uh or maybe this gives you something to help someone in your life who's having these issues either way if you're listening and you enjoyed this please follow us on Apple Podcasts. I would also hope, if you're listening to this and you're a non-believer, that Mm. you understand there are those of us who even work in churches who have the same issues with it that you do. Yes. And so, man, like... And the issues that we have are with things that are not biblical. Right. Well, it's like you said, I think that should be our tagline for the podcast now. Like, people suck, Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't. Yes. Absolutely. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please follow us and leave a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, If you're listening on Spotify, follow there. And wherever you're listening, follow us on Instagram. We would love to hear from you guys and hear your thoughts on these topics and the things that we discuss. Uh, We'd love to know if it you know affected any kind of change in your life. And if you disagree with us, we would really like to hear your voice because I love... To have those conflicting voices and kind of come to a middle because that's where we find the truth. Anyways, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to go to bed. I am Chad the Dad. I still want to be a pirate. I'm still Casey Winston. Okay, bye guys. And we're out. Peace. <laughs>